From Vintage City Church in Fort Collins, Colorado, it's the Vintage Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Sanders. Uh, it's a privilege to share with you this morning. We've been in 1 Corinthians. We've been working through 1 Corinthians systematically, just verse by verse. And uh, this week we're going to pick up in verse 19. If you remember last week, if you were here, uh, we talked a little bit about a passage that gets taught. We probably took a little bit different angle on it, but Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 9, he was talking about the, those who share the gospel and preach the gospel and do the work of ministry, that it's right for them to receive back into their life. And we didn't focus as much on that as we focused on what it looks like for us as the people of God to invest. And then verses 1 through 18, we really looked at just what does it mean to, to give my life and to invest. And we looked at giving outside of just the realm of finances and looked at, at, the, at the investment and the giving of ourselves. And in verse 19, Paul really picks up here and says, I think he shares with, with us his attitude, and it's an attitude that he lives with, and it's one that I want to challenge us to adopt and live with every day. And it's so easy for us, when, especially when we're, we're, we're at church and everything we hear, we want to apply it to our spiritual life, but, it, but at times I think we miss the beauty of it. Most of what Paul's teaching here, he's not teaching it about church, he's teaching it about how he lives his life. And he says, even though I'm a free man with no master... I've become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. This phrase, I have become a slave, the root word in the Greek is doulos. And it means to become enslaved. It's slavery in a way that we would say he's owned by somebody. And it's interesting as Paul shares this, and I would say what he's doing is he's giving us in this one verse his perspective on what it looks like to serve. And at the root of this, if we think about it, Paul willingly gave up his freedoms and he made himself the slave of others. So at the root of what was going on in his mind was an attitude that prioritized the needs of others. What does that mean? That means Paul took his cues from the needs of others. What was going to be helpful to them? Where were they at in life? And then he asked the question that we should all be asking, what can I do? What he's, what he's modeling here is hospitable love in action. I would love to say that's what serving really is. Serving is hospitable love in action. It's the willful, intentional choice to give your life away. That's what serving is. And Paul's statement is, even though I'm a free man with no master. Why? Because it was for freedom that Christ set me free. His next movement is once I'm emancipated, once I'm free, once the bondage of sin have been broken, my movement is I made myself a slave. To all people. What I love about this and why I think it's important to break this down is how many have ever dealt with feeling unappreciated? 
How many have ever found yourself speaking in a way to yourself where you're like, they don't really know what I do. I just, they don't even see it. It's just no, like, whatever. I'm just here. I'm always the one cleaning up. Like, anybody ever had that moment? You see, Paul gives us a secret here. When I make a choice to invest my life, when it's a willful, intentional decision on my part to serve, it leaves no room for the enemy to birth entitlement in my spirit. You see, I can't get upset and angry because people aren't paying attention because they're not compensating me with accolade if it was my choice to do it because I saw their need. Paul's sharing this. I made the choice to be a slave. I didn't do it for the accolades of people. And you're like, well, that was sure help. Maybe so, but it's immature if we serve from a place of needing to be recognized. All of us have had the moment where we've been around a three or four or a five-year-old who does something and, you know, they draw a picture that is completely impossible to discern. There are no lines. There's no geometry. There's no understanding of what it is. But yet they dangle it in front of you with the need for, yes, what you did was awesome. That's wonderful for a child. It's good to motivate that. But as we grow up in the faith, there should be a moment that I transcend that need and I move into a place where I decided because of the cause of Christ, I'm going to make the intentional decision to give my life away. This is what Paul's sharing here. It's his choice. It's not even driven by what people need. He just wanted to meet needs, so he chose to do it. And he'll say in this verse that there's a reason. There's something at stake. To bring many to Christ. I, love to, I would love to ask you this question. Is it possible that our decision to intentionally serve others is the doorway for the formation of the kingdom in their life. That this is more than just something we do, it actually has supernatural value and it begins to open a door in their life. Is it possible that every single intentional decision to serve that I make becomes something that has supernatural power in the hands of the Father? That He can take it and use it. So you mean, when I serve at church, it has supernatural power? Yeah. We always go to that one. But let's look at some others that we don't go to so quickly. You mean when I serve at work, it has supernatural power? Wait, time out. I don't serve at work. They pay me. Compensation does not undermine serving. What determines serving versus not serving is my attitude, not compensation. I can show up at work with an attitude to willfully, intentionally give my life away to others, and it has nothing to do with whether or not I'm getting a paycheck. It has to do with the way I interact with the world around me. To the contrary, I can show up at work with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder because I just don't think they really recognize how great I am and I don't think they compensate me in a way that I think is really reasonable and all of a sudden there, I'm entitled and I'm angry. I'm a lousy employee because I've lost my perspective that Jesus calls me, even though I'm free with no master, to become a slave to all people. You see, that attitude of slavery is a position of strength because what I'm saying is your compensation and your accolade doesn't own me. He owns me. 
So I'm going to give my life away. So you mean when I serve my family? Wait, time out. Inside my home, you have no jurisdiction. <laughs> Wish that were true. Yeah, when we serve our family, it has supernatural power. Men, let me talk to you just for a second. Do we wake up every day with an attitude that says, today is a day that I am privileged to serve my family. I've become a slave to my family to give my life away. How can you even say that? I'm the head of the household. Well, so is Jesus. He's the head of the household. Christ is the head of man, right? This is what Paul will teach. And yet Jesus says the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came instead to serve and give his life away. So the one we follow has modeled for us that it is in serving that we find greatness, not in receiving. Let's, let's move it one step closer. You mean to tell us when we serve our spouse, it has supernatural power? What happens if we live with an agenda to honestly outserve each other because we love partnering with the Lord? And I don't mean a competition like, like I served you twice today, you only served me once. I mean, I just wake up with my heart connected to this idea. Everybody I meet, I'm going to serve. There's a phenomenon that I see, and I, I'm sure you experience it just like I do. I find it easier to take really great care of the people outside of the world than I do the ones inside my home. The ones inside my home tend to get the version of me that's raw and unfiltered and not very nice. Why do we do that? What happens if everyone outside of us gets served with love and joy and grace and compassion? where I have zero entitlement to be served. I just say, you know what? I have no ego in this. Jesus emancipated me and set me free for the purpose of giving my life away, so I'm just going to give my life away. You see, because serving is built upon my trust in the Father's faithfulness. Because he sees, because he knows, because he keeps the great ledger, I don't have to have people responding to what I'm doing because I know he's paying attention. And it's freedom in that. It's hard to read this passage and not realize that Paul is very others focused in it. It's clear that the world around him is his agenda. And what he seems to be sharing is that if we can understand how to live as a servant, how to give ourselves to everyone around us, it opens the door for the lost. Listen to him in verse 20. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. And when I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. 
Paul's talking about sharing the kingdom, and he's saying, I'm going to do whatever it takes, wherever I'm at, to be able to share the kingdom. And all of us probably have heard at one point or another this phrase, evangelism, or sharing the gospel. And while I love the concept, I hate the phrase. Because I think it automatically pigeonholes us into a place where I'm going to like talk to somebody about Jesus and I'm going to, it's going to be really dry and I'm going to stand at their front door with a track. Have you heard about Jesus? Maybe some of you have been on campaigns like that and I don't mean to minimize those. I just want to talk about something that I see in scripture that I don't see in that idea. Jesus makes discipleship, evangelism, sharing the gospel, the responsibility of everybody in the kingdom. Matthew 28, it's really clear. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So all of us have a Jesus-given assignment to make disciples. And he says this in verse 20. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And so we would take that and we would say, I just got to show them the Bible. That's not what it says. That's not bad, but it's, it falls short of the idea. And Paul begins to deal with this and share this. There's a strategy at play that Paul's giving. And he's basically saying this, make disciples by serving people with your life. Live the kingdom out in front of them by serving them. What did Jesus share in his time on the earth. If we really break it down, what did he share? There's two things. He shared himself and he shared what he knew. So what if the secret to serving in the kingdom is just to share your life and share what you know? For me, that would instantly cause me to ask a question. How do I share what I don't know? Therefore, I need to spend time with him and get to know him. Not just time in the Bible, understanding what's been written about him, that's wonderful, but time with him. Having conversation, talking, hearing his voice. And then I share my life. I just live my life. Paul says, yeah, I try to find common ground with everyone. Doing everything I can to save some, I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. He talks about becoming a student of common ground. I try to find common ground with everyone. And each of us can do this. Here's how we do it. Investigate, number one. Just take a moment. This is what Paul's saying he does. Just take a moment and pay attention to people. Pay attention to what, what drives them. Pay attention to what matters to them. How many have ever gone on Amazon, looked for a pair of shoes, and then mysteriously that same pair of shoes shows up on Instagram as an ad? It's a concept called data mining. It means that at all times there's somebody watching your phone, they're watching what you're paying attention to, and they're trying to pitch things in front of you so you buy. It's super creepy. Everybody agree? But I would love to take that creepy concept and turn it around for the kingdom. What happens if we live in a way where we data mine the world around us? 
I'm paying attention to people. I'm listening to how they talk. Why? Because I'm looking for that moment where they're open to the realization that they might need Jesus. How long does that take? I don't know. Some relationships, it might take 10 years. Others, it might take 10 minutes. Who knows? But if the point for us is, I got to go share the gospel, that's not the point. The point is to share your life, to be the kind of person that causes them to want to know what's going on inside of you. That's what Paul's talking about here. And then he gives one more word. He just... He says, I'll do everything I can. And I would say, for us, that looks like we need to engage. We need to do something. Make the choice to do something. We talked about this others-focused nature of Paul. John Maxwell in Winning with People will say it this way, with one small exception, the world is comprised of others. Think it through. With one small exception, the world is comprised of others. I don't believe we can become students of people, understanding we're trying to become students of people because we see this as the call of God. We can't do that unless we're engaged with people. And if we consider that, perhaps my first movement in sharing the gospel, in evangelism, in, com- in communicating the kingdom, maybe my first movement is just to get involved in the lives around me. I would say it this way, do something to help build the community you live in and let the Lord invade it. What do you mean, do something? Because every time I say this in church, we always think about ministries and, and there needs to be like a church title on it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about volunteer coach a team in the city. Join your HOA board. Volunteer at school. Just find a place that needs something and give your life to it. You see, when, when we do that, it calls something to the surface, and that is, if I'm giving my life away because I think that Jesus has called me to love people, I know that something's going to happen. My personal history with him is going to be what he uses to communicate to other people. My testimony, right? How many know the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb? Well, we love that part. We're not so happy on the second part and the word of our testimony, Your testimony is just your history with Jesus. It's intended to be the thing that he uses as you share your life. You know what's going to happen sooner or later. Somebody's going to ask you, so uh, you go to church, right? Yeah. Why? Generally what happens? I I don't know how to explain it to you other than I I met Jesus and it changed my life. Because Paul's statement is that everything we do in our lives should be about bringing the weak to Christ. And I want to shift that a little bit and ask a question. If I'm going to bring the weak to Christ, doesn't it mean I have to be with Christ regularly? For how do I take people somewhere I haven't been? And in this way, I'd love to just say that My ability to share the kingdom is really built on my ability to encounter the king. 
And too many of us have lived wanting to just live in some knowledge of what the scriptures say, which is wonderful. But that's a, that's a partial pursuit of God. A full pursuit of God is living a life in conversation with him, allowing the scriptures to fortify that, guide it, and build it. I don't care how old you are. Your life has unique purpose and destiny. That's what Paul's saying here. There are people you will reach that no one else will reach. There are people that the Lord has dropped you into their lives for the purpose of you sharing the kingdom with them. And when I say that, I'm, I'm almost hesitant to say sharing the kingdom because it comes off like we're sharing a track. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being great people. I think the key to evangelism is live in your city, be a rad person, and let people ask you what's going on. Let, the, let our lives speak the gospel. I believe it's St. Francis of Assisi, one of, my, one of my favorite old quotes. The quote matters. Who said it? I don't know if it does. He says, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. I would love to suggest that we share the kingdom by living a life that serves others. And I would love to tell you that your secret place encounter will naturally become public in the marketplace. Because the one that you're hanging out with in the secret place is passionately in love with people. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We know that verse, it rolls off. What that means is God had an agenda for people. Jesus will turn around at the end of his life right before he leaves and say, say something that affirms this. Hey man, go out into the world and win people because that's what the Father's after. Church, that's our calling. In the marketplace, show up with a crazy grin on your face because you're in love with a king because of what he's done in your life and go love people and be great to people. Why? Because they matter to him. How many have ever had a conversation with a parent about their kid? How many know in that conversation there's a little bit of protocol? You're not going to slander that kid. You're going to speak with grace, right? Because it's probably not a good way to talk if you're going to go rip somebody's kid down in front of them. Why? Because in that moment you realize to this person that child has unique intrinsic value. Could I suggest to you that you are living in a city where every single person has unique intrinsic value to the Father? Whether they know him or not, they're his. That is what for God so loved the world means. He sent Jesus to pay a ransom for them. Regardless of how they're living, they still matter to him. So what's it look like for us to treat them with the honor of who they really are even before they live into that identity? Let that one bake your noodle. Live with your eyes on what matters to the Father, which is people. So all day long, I wake up. How many go to work tomorrow? Right? How many are challenged right now? I got to have a good attitude tomorrow at work. We're going to show up at work and we're going to live with our eyes on people. And we're going to give ourselves to the culture. We're going to learn who they are and we're just going to be good to them and serve them. And we're going to share what we have because that's all we have authority over. Your testimony is all you can share. Just give away what you know. 
and then trust the Holy Spirit to do the work. Let's stand this morning. Father, this word doulos, slave, is a challenging word. It's less challenging, though, when I consider that it's my choice to do it. And so we just ask for the grace to be with us and be upon us this week to make that choice. To wake up tomorrow with, with a radical shift in our perspective that everywhere we look, we see opportunities to serve, to give our lives away. We love you and we love your word's ability to challenge us, but still coach us and love us. And Lord, I would just ask that um, you would deal with all the internal entitlement that might live in this house right now, areas where we've grabbed onto a bad attitude. You just deal with it, Holy Spirit, so we can lay it down and we can serve well. We love you, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thanks for listening. For more great content, please visit us on the web at VintageCityChurch.com.